Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Keith Marin about the qualities of remarkable leadership. Keith Marin, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited, Keith, to have this conversation with you today. As we were discussing pre-interview, um, really, as we were just getting to know each other uh, in preparation for this episode, you know, we were we were both uh, remarking on our similar backgrounds and paths and similar areas of focus in our own consulting work and in our own writing. So we both have books that are related to the topic for today. And that is the qualities of remarkable leadership tying directly into your recent book. And I'm super excited to have a really engaging conversation around remarkable leadership, and what that means and how leaders can start to develop that within themselves and implement it into their their work life and their their personal life. As we get started, I just wanted to share Keith's bio with everybody. Dr. Keith Marin is a highly respected organizational consultant and leadership uh, developer and is the founder and managing partner of Leadership Pathways, as well as a partner at Barbera Annis and Associates. Keith received his doctorate from Harvard University in 1985, where his studies span the fields of human and organizational development. His early research on the relationships between human development, managerial effectiveness, and high performance played a profound role in helping shape a whole new field of study called spiral dynamics, which, by the way, that's super cool that you're part of the development of spiral dynamics. Uh, Keith has designed and led over 100 seminars and workshops for leaders. In partnership with his clients, he has successfully conducted over 25 large system strategic cultural and technical change efforts companies hire keith for one of the following three reasons to achieve sustainable high performance and in industry leadership to design and lead innovative leadership training programs and for building extraordinary organizational cultures his work has positively impacted companies like hewlett-packard amerigroup corporation bedcath wang laboratories general public utilities world corp Endocare, the Healthcare Financial Management Association, as well as 350 other companies and organizations. Additionally, he is the author of five books on human and organizational change, uh, Riding the Wave, Designing Your Organization for Enduring Success, Consulting Mastery, How the Best Make the Biggest Difference, and The Golden Flame, The Heart and Soul of Remarkable Leadership, Inner Freedom, living authentically the life you were truly meant to live and gender intelligence breakthrough strategies and increasing diversity and improving your bottom line. Uh, a tremendous slate of excellent books and great topics there. Keith teaches leadership, teamwork and change management at Holt School of Business and is in high demand as a speaker on the subject of leadership and building extraordinary organizational cultures. 
Uh, Keith, what a tremendous background and what an honor and a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. So welcome. Uh, before we launch into the conversation, anything else that you would like to share with listeners by way of background, personal context, uh, anything about yourself you'd like to share? Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, a lot between the lines in my bio, but uh, I've been fascinated my whole life uh, with mastery. And in some sense, that's the conversation I hope that you and I will have. You call it remarkable leadership, I do too, but it's really about mastery. I'm fascinated by mastery in all different forms, but I s devote most of my work in understanding masterful leadership. So um, uh, rather than say much more about me, I think we should just get into the conversation and see what see what emerges. Excellent. Well, thank you. And, and let's start there um, talking about, I mean, we both chose to use the term remarkable leadership in our book titles. Um, you, you just mentioned mastery, how that's an important component to what remarkable leadership means to you. So let's yeah. start there. Can you define and describe a little bit more around what mastery is for you, why it's so important and what it means as we're trying to develop ourselves into better leaders? You know, I, uh, one of the questions that I've often asked myself and I still don't quite know the answer to this is why does it matter? Why am I so interested in mastery? Why not pretty good leadership? And, um, and so mastery in any forms is, is reaching a pinnacle in a sense or, or the heights of what's possible within a particular domain, in this case, in this case leadership. And um, I, I just always have been fascinated with it. I, I think it's, it's because that people who are masterful in whatever domain they're in kind of show us the way. They show us the way of what's possible in, in that particular domain and in leadership. Uh, to me, what, why that matters is it's showing us the way for what's possible in the world. Because I think the world is shaped by our leaders. I think our leaders by definition are providing guidance to where we are or could go. And remarkable leaders or masterful leaders are showing us the way of the future. And I'm constantly interested in how do we create a better future for ourselves and for our children and grandchildren. So. No, that's that's the fascination. How to how to define masterful? The pinnacle, I guess, would be the simplest definition. Um, in leadership, that would be uh, a particular form or a particular way of understanding leadership. I love that. I mean, there's so much there um, embedded into what you just said that we could probably unpack for hours uh, as as we explore it together. But I, I love I love the idea of of the remarkable or the masterful leader being that leader who really can help look around the corners of the future, right? And see what's happening, what's coming. Not that anyone has a crystal ball, but you know, the, the, the leader who is really attuned to their people, to the, their organization, to the context. And then they, they are committed to developing and helping everyone around them to be their best self, to lead to a positive, improved, positive future for everybody, right? The, the best leaders drive social change. They drive organizational change and they, they improve the situation for, for those that they lead. Um, at least for me, you know, that's like what the pinnacle of leadership means is, is not someone who, who's in a position of power where they get prestige and they get attention and people look to them. I mean, those things can happen, right? As someone moves into a formal role of leadership, but the really remarkable leaders um, aren't so concerned about that. They're, they're concerned about improvement and helping uh, 
move into a more positive future. Uh, something else that you said uh, that that I really really liked there was uh, you know as we're thinking about our personal mastery, um, trying to to maximize and really become our best self. I think that the remarkable leader is one um, who who as you said hits the pinnacle. But it's not just them striving to hit their own personal pinnacle. It's them trying to help their people develop into their pinnacles and helping their organization develop. Um, and so the, the act of remarkable leadership re requires like consistency, persistence, doggedness. It requires courage because frankly, a lot of organizations, most organizations don't actually, like there's all sorts of mechanisms to, to thwart change. <laughs> uh, the way, I mean, bureaucracies exist to, to maintain the status quo. And so anytime you have a forward thinking leader, um, you know, they're pushing up against that and they have to, they have to be persistent and they have to be willing to, and courageous to, and, and willing to, to uh, fight those battles that frankly are not fun battles to fight, but they do it not for themselves. They do it because they know it's going to make the organization better. It's going to improve the lives of their people, the lives of their customers, all, all of that. So I, that, you know, we could continue. I could, I could um, share more about kind of what your comments just triggered in my mind, but that, that's at least a start. I, I think there's a lot embedded in what you just said. I think that's, I think that's right. And uh, you, you, you almost took the words out of my mouth. I, I one added thought, and I just think it's an, a meaningful distinction. You ask a lot of people, what is good leadership or great leadership, or what, how you define leadership, they would say something like, leaders get stuff done through others. And that's a classic definition. I think it's true. You've got to inspire others to get the work done and get the work done well. But then when you ask the question, what is great leadership? And I think you start to explore uh, the opportunity or the or great leadership has something to do with helping people raise their game to a new level that they otherwise wouldn't have gone before. So um, it's seeing new sites, seeing new vistas, going beyond that which we've done, raising our game. That's, that to me is, is fascinating. I'm, I'm reminded of, of Tiger Woods, who uh, many know, and whether you like him or not, or whether you respect him or not, he certainly raised the game of golf um, by virtue of his, his ability to, to do things that others didn't do, uh, his persistence, his diligence. And then you can see a whole wave of, of golfers who, who say Tiger Woods was my inspiration. Uh, he inspired people to hit the ball further, hit the ball straighter, um, uh, putt better. I mean, he's, he's, he's an example of a leader, even though he may or may not have saw himself that way. And so in the business realm or in the organizational realm, I'm interested in people who do the same thing to see things that they otherwise couldn't see. Yeah, and and to your point, we all can be leaders and leadership is not reserved for people in formal uh, positions within an organization, right? Like yeah. you have you have the CEO, you have the C-suite, you have VPs and, and middle managers all the way down the line. All these people have roles, they're leaders, right? But Tiger Woods, uh, was a, a, clearly a leader. He changed the game of golf. Um, how many people can say they've changed an entire <laughs> generation of yeah. something, right? Like the whole, an entire generation of golfers. Um, 
we, we all can be leaders. We all can be change agents. Um, and so it's, it's a matter of, of embracing that potential that each of us has and then leveraging it and to, to your point, then helping develop others so they can come after us and even surpass us. There's a, I, I've talked about it before on the podcast, but there's a, a Korean proverb. I, I've spent uh, uh, quite a bit of time in, in Asia and I lived for about two and a half years in, in uh, South Korea. So learning the language and learning a lot of these um, um, parables and, and uh, proverbs. One of them that I really love is this, this one that's um, called Bluer Than Indigo based on Confucius and Buddhist principles the general idea here is, you know, if you think about Asian culture and the deference given to authority and to your elders and to your teachers, right? They they really um, they really give a lot of respect to those people, and and so you look at someone as your master. They're your master teacher, right? That's that's indigo. Indigo as a color is the deepest, most vibrant color of blue um, mm -hmm. that you can imagine, and so this whole idea of bluer than indigo is that master teacher, that master leader, that their whole purpose is to develop their pupils, those they lead to become bluer than indigo or even more vibrant, more deep of a blue, even better than they are. Right. And that's a remarkable thing to think that we can help like maximize our own potential and then help others come behind us with no thought to our ego, no thought, you know, to, um, the insecurities that people often have when they have a protege who's surpassing them, you know, nothing like that. You're not worried about that. You're just trying to help people maximize their potential. That's what I see as a great leader doing, even whether they know it or not. I, I think, for example, in my life, I have formal teachers, former, formal leaders, formal mentors that were in like official capacities, you know, in relationship to me. But there's tons of people that I look to as mentors, as I look to as, as people that have helped guide my career and, and guide my development and my potential. A lot of them probably don't even have a clue that I look to them. Just like many golfers, you know, look to Tiger Woods, you know, when they were children. And now you have this whole generation of golfers he doesn't know. I mean, now he probably knows some of those people that are really good, but he didn't know any of those people yet. He was a powerful influence on them. Um, and so I, I, that's a powerful thing to me that the, the opportunity we have as individuals to make that kind of a difference in the world. I, I think we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't let that opportunity go by without, you know, doing everything we can to, to make an impact. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, 
and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. So, Keith, I'm wondering if you can start to walk us through a little bit what some of those qualities are. I mean, some of it is probably already come up in what we've been discussing, but what are some of those qualities of remarkable leadership as you have defined it? Well, I'll tell you what, I'd like to go deeper than that. So to me, the book, The Golden Flame, and it was written many years ago, was based on a piece of research that I did that um, surprised me in the direction that it took. So when I was when I started to research the book, um, I was looking to meet remarkable leaders of all kinds. And I basically just reached out and uh, to the, my network and said, who do you know who's an extraordinary leader that you might recommend that I could interview? And I ended up uh, interviewing 36 leaders for a couple of hours each, at least. Some extraordinary leaders, people that are known and not so known. The guy who founded the Republic of Tea, um, uh, a guy that was uh, um, a blind guy that that um, became uh, uh, fairly wealthy and eventually owned the Cleveland Cavaliers basketball uh, stadium and team. And uh, when uh, LeBron James was just starting out, and you know, some people that would be unknown to others, a guy that, that was uh, the founder of an organization called EPRI and um, Electrical Power Research Institute. These were people that kind of came out of the woodwork. And one of the things that was interesting about the research was that a lot of the names that my colleagues and friends named were not necessarily on the radar. And uh, I think that's disturbing and interesting that a lot of the people that are in positions of power in organizations today, you wouldn't necessarily say are great leaders or they're great leaders in a former paradigm, but they're not necessarily showing us a way to the future. Um, and some of the ones that are really marquee, I probably didn't have access to. So uh, we, could, we, could, uh, we could say that. But at first I was interested in what are the qualities of great leadership. And, and it took a different turn for me fairly early on. So you and I could name very quickly. In fact, I did, I did, I did this little piece of call it research is, is, is imbuing it with too much importance. But what I, what I basically did is I asked people, what would you say are the qualities of great leadership? And if you just keep asking them all over the world, they'll say the same things. They'll say vision or courage, or you, you mentioned it, determination and drive or integrity. Um, these are the common, known, understood, uh, well-researched, well-founded and just calm, you know, uh, uh, um, what, they, they would stand the test of time and throughout history, those words would come up. And, and so I started a, a different question for me, myself, which is we know so much about leadership. We know that those are the qualities that represent great leadership. Um, but why is it that in spite of knowing it, in spite of studying it, in spite of teaching it, there has been no appreciable improvement in leadership in the past 50 or 60 years. Um, you can 
one of the measures of this would be the uh, the leadership confidence index. I think is developed by the University of Chicago, and then I think uh, Harvard Kennedy School of Government has another leadership index, and they measure how confident are you in your leaders, how effective are the leaders, how much do you trust leaders, and for 40 or 50 years, the level of quality of leadership has remained the same. It has not gone up. So we have all this research about leadership, all this knowledge about leadership. We understand the qualities and you and I can talk about that till the cows come home, and yet it hasn't improved leadership. And so I started to ask myself, why is it that these leaders that I'm meeting, why do they embody these qualities and others don't? Did they read more books? No. Did they understand leadership better than others? Nope, we all understand it quite well. So I, I started to go to a deeper question, which is what are the forces that gives rise to these qualities? Um, um, because I believe that those forces need to be named and explored. If, if we understood that, I, I believed and still do that that will help people actually raise their game of leadership. So that's the question I wanna explore a little more deeply. Well, that's that's wonderful. And I can't help but think, you know, the the context, the mechanisms in place to help those individuals arise, but also what are the mechanisms in place that hold those types of leaders down sometimes? And so you do end up with people who are in positions of formal power um, that oftentimes don't actually, uh, they don't exhibit like the, the characteristics that we often talk about or the qualities. And in many times they're quite toxic, right? Um, yes. Yet they've risen to positions of power. And so I think the two, you know, it's flip sides of the same coin really, but the, the two go hand in hand. And it's important for us to just remember that in part, when we think of formal positions, we get what the, the org, you know, the, the mechanisms embedded within the organizations create this dynamic where you promote a certain type of person um, and sometimes that ends up not being in the best interest of the organization uh, in the long run. So what are some of those, um, those dynamics, uh, th those, those root causes that you see? Well, uh, uh, there, I, I ended up with three. Um, and anybody who has ever, ever done any research or, or studied a particular phenomenon knows that you can cut it any of a number of ways. So <laughs> You know, it's not like I did a, a, a multivariate analysis of, of my interviews. It's more that a pattern just kept on showing up. And, and, and here's the number one pattern, and maybe we'll get to the other two. But for me, the, the, um, all of the leaders that I met were true to themselves. And this is a, uh, an interesting phenomenon because you see a lot of people uh, who want to be better leaders, so they study leaders. They read about Lincoln, or they read about um, uh, Marie Curie, or they read about um, uh, you know any of a number of leaders that 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 are known in the world, Stephen Jobs, and say, oh, if I study Stephen Jobs, I'll be a better leader. And if you ask Stephen Jobs, how did you become a great leader? He would not say. I became a great, great leader by studying other leaders. Um, he would probably say, I just am who I am. Kind of like Popeye, I am who I am. And, and all of the leaders in my interviews and in meeting with them and just experiencing them, 
had this sense of I am who I am and I'm good with who I am. I don't try to copy somebody else. I'm authentic, embodied in who I am. And so I would say the capacity to just own oneself and be embodied naturally gives rise to things like uh, courage. You know, we do the thing that feels right to us or determination. It gives rise to some of those qualities that we seek, but it starts with, I, I know who I am and I'm good with who I am. And if I'm good with who I am, then I'm not threatened by other people being good with who they are. And so what do I do is I surround myself with talent of people who are brilliant because I'm confident in who I am and I know who I am, I'm not threatened by other people's brilliance. And this is partly why you say, you know, that, that blue, uh, indigo, blue uh, better than blue indigo or- Bluer than indigo, yeah. Bluer, bluer than indigo, it's um, I'm fine with other people rising above me. I'm not threatened by it because of my ego strength and my solidity. I think that's the number one embodying oneself. And then I, the corollary is being good with oneself. I am who I am and I'm good with who I am. So there's the two out of the three. Well, that yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's wonderful. And, you know, there, there's lots of work out there talking about authentic leadership and being your full, your whole authentic self. I think that's super important. Um, and it's really, I, I completely agree. Uh, it's, you can't disconnect it from truly remarkable leadership from reaching the pinnacle of leadership and everyone's different. They have different talents. You can't be just like a Steve jobs or an Elon Musk or whatever. Even if we say though, you know, we, that, that can be debated and argued, you know, about their characteristics and like what made them or a great leader or not, whatever. But let's say we say they're the pinnacle. Well, I'm different. I have different personality. I have different skills. I have different um, I have a different background and worldview. Like I have to be genuine and authentic to myself and, and do uh, act within that context. And as I do that and I learn more about myself and I am more comfortable with myself, like you said, we, we get past the insecurities uh, and it's, it, it's human nature. We, you know, we all have them. Um, and it's something we all have to deal with our entire lives. We all have our own biases that we have to try to uncover. But over time, as we do that work, uh, we, we become true to ourselves. We become more authentic. That puts us in a place where then we can um, work with people in such a way where, where we're not threatened by them. And we can help them develop to their truest capacity. And that helps us develop to our fullest capacity as well. Yeah, there's a beautiful humility in all that to me. And you know, when you think about the, the quintessential leaders, they often appear arrogant. They appear you know, very charismatic and, and full of who I am. And I'm, it, it, it's an interesting corollary. The people that I met with only a couple of exceptions were not full of themselves at all. They were extraordinarily humble. So here you have this paradoxical mix of, of I'm good with who I am. I'm confident with who I am. But that doesn't translate into arrogance. There's actually humility about that. And, and I know that I'm not brilliant or I'm not great or I'm not great at all things. And I know other people are, are, are superior than me in many ways. And so I welcome that in my mix. And that's the kind of uh, leader. You know, I'm, I'm reminded a little bit of, uh, uh, was it Oppenheimer? 
the guy who was the uh, the famous leader of the of the atom bomb project in the in the forties, he was brilliant, but his greatest brilliance was bringing and attracting other brilliant people in a, in a mix where they can share and explore and and um, uh, learn from each other. Uh, that's the that's the height of leadership to me. It's where one's brilliance doesn't shadow everybody else, but causes everybody else to rise, which is what we defined at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Keith, this has been a really fun discussion and we've really only just scratched the surface. I think we could go on and on um, with this, um, but our time is drawing short, um, at least in this iteration. I'd love to have you back on to continue the conversation. Before we close today though, uh, I just wanna give you a chance to share the last word and share with listeners how they can get connected with you and for, find out more about what you're up to. Yeah, well, just go to my website, leadership-pathways. There's a hyphen between leadership and pathways. Dot com, or you can always just Google my name and you'll see all kinds of stuff as an author, you know, um, I'm, I'm very public. Um, and I just, I do want to do a little bit of a pitch. I'm uh, my most recent book. It's called the, uh, the art of transformational coaching. And I work with coaches, helping them um, help their clients transform that, that book is, a, I think is a, um, my current favorite book about, uh, about extraordinary coaching. And I also have a workshop that I, that I lead uh, to help people become better and better coaches, trend, to become transformational coaches. So check out artoftransformationalcoaching.com and you'll learn about that workshop. And thank you so much for giving me a chance to plug a little bit. I'm, I, I tend to be shy about that, but uh, uh, happy to, if invited, happy to do a little plug. I, I understand. I do appreciate it. Um, well, thank you, Keith. It's been a real pleasure talking with you today. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Keith can do for you and your organization, and check out his uh, books and his most recent book. Uh, and as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.